On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So I was a little bit of an imp when I was a little kid, and this mischief often revealed itself in church. There I would be sandwiched between my sister and my brother, and I wouldn't even say a thing. It was just an extended stare with a long blink or some unexpected positioning of my hands that would launch my siblings into uncontrollable giggles. And once we all started, we could not stop. And this fit of silliness most typically came during the sermon or those quiet pauses between prayers. And then my mom, whether she was sitting next to me or a few bodies down, would reach over and give me a squeeze right above my knee. She didn't need to say a thing. I knew by that gesture that something had to change. It's Jesus, Mom, who initiates this amazing miracle story. There are just two times that she appears in John's Gospel, here at the beginning, at the wedding of Cana, and then again at the cross. Her name is not mentioned. She is only known as the mother of Jesus. And she is at a wedding with her son and the disciples, and the wine runs out, which is a crisis for any host in any setting, not providing enough for guests, especially in the first century, is shameful. 
And I'm sure as a guest, a poor guest with limited means, Mary herself notices this emptiness before the family does and simply calls Jesus to notice as well. But Jesus' reaction is rather flat. What concern is this for you or for me? Just imagine for a moment the look that Mary must have given to her son, along with a tilt of the head, or maybe it was a pinch above the knee, that clearly made her point known something had to change. And the time his mother gestures to him, you are the one and now is the time. And so without the wedding crowd even aware, six amazingly huge jars of water become six jars of the best full-bodied, luscious Pinot Noir. (laughs) Sheer over-the-top abundance here at this wedding somewhere with his mother initiating Jesus along. Jesus performs this first sign in the Gospel of John, this changing water into enormous amounts of wine. God's grace upon grace, noted in the opening line of this Gospel, is now made known, not just with these words or doctrines, but in the daily provisions that spill over with goodness. It's a great story, isn't it? But do you believe it? Jesus even seems surprised by it, not expecting to be asked to reveal his divinity, his power to create so soon in this unexpected setting. For the Gospel writer John, this first act of public ministry tells the essence of the Gospel. God made flesh is about abundance beyond imagination, which will be found and made known in the everyday limits of this life. You know, there's a part of faith that seems flat and unobtainable. Because we hear a story like this and we think, wow, amazing, cool, But how does this same abundance make itself known today in our lives? I think part of the answer to that question is held in another question. Do we even need God's abundance to be made known in our lives? Do we need divine agency revealing itself, connecting us to other people, providing and feeding and healing? Or would we rather just lean into good luck or what we call serendipitous events or our own good work, our own good hard work to make it happen? Because we all have resources and options and creative abilities for us. And so for the most part, our needs, our wants, and our desires can be met on our own means. But what happens, though, when our ways and our means 
falls short. When life suddenly changes and we run out of wine or a way forward. A beautiful detail of this story is that this miracle happened at a community wedding. You go to a wedding and it's a place of shared joy, right? Relationships, love, bringing stories together. This is where the need was made known and this is where God's abundance came to surprise and to nourish. It's essential in these days of individual posts and likes and self-focus and tending to our own piles for us to speak into God's abundance for the sake of community. Maybe it was a maternal spirit among us here at Mount Olivet that urged us to notice what was in need to be filled in our community. It was January of 2018 that we asked each other publicly, how should we respond in our community? We knew that there were needs, and we knew that our call as a church was to respond to the needs specifically in a way that we could because of who we are as Mount Olivet. And what was next for us seemed kind of fuzzy, but we knew there was something, and we felt called to figure it out, to be open. So we used this highly technical method of giving every person a post-it note and a pen, and asking each one of us, write down your idea of where you think we should show up in the community. What should we do next? And you responded. Over a thousand sticky notes stuck to that back wall. And then we all looked at them, and we looked at that again, and we clustered them into categories, and we even entered each response into an Excel spreadsheet, thanks to Joy Miller. And we looked and we prayed and we pondered to see what was emerging. And slowly, over the course of 2018, our Be Open vision was born. Our deep desire to be greater connection in the community and to be a partner in the community and we realized that if we were to do anything to our building at grounds, it couldn't just be for us to make it better for us to enjoy. It would need to be updated for others to connect us with the community around us. And we knew specifically here at this church with all the options around that there was categories, there was feeding, there was housing, there was walking with people in transition. And so the initial step was this. We need to renovate the kitchen that was last updated in 1968 so we could begin to host a community meal with loaves and fishes. We had been serving in Minneapolis for decades and now we wanted the meal site here to make accessible for us in this little corner of Plymouth. We identified the need. This was a first step. And then we quickly realized that we then needed to fund this dream. 
We didn't want to wait years to begin, and we didn't want to take on debt. And so boldly, we began in January to speak our vision and to ask all of us to raise $500,000 in three months. We had never done this before, and some doubted we could do this, thinking it was too much, too fast. You know the ending of the story. As of May 2nd, your combined gifts totaled over $624,000, and as of today, $645,000. The jar was not only filled, but it was overflowing. And it wasn't just the total dollar amount. 84% of our giving families invested in this mission, gifts of all sizes. Kids got involved to raise money specifically for this. And new leaders emerged doing work that they were created to do. Since that time, we've hired a kitchen manager who will prepare, plan, and cook meals for the Child Learning Center and also for our weekly community meal that will be Monday nights. We have begun to reimagine what Monday nights are going to be like. We have known what Sundays are like here and what Wednesday nights, but now Mondays, not only preparing and serving and eating this new meal, but also partnering in the community to have our space be a place where resources and learning walk in help with finance and possibly with mental health and other support. And our community partners are taking notice and our visions are intersecting in new ways. I still can't believe it. None of this is making headlines, but yet we are humbly aware we could have not known last year what this year would hold that an old kitchen and a dormant fellowship hall would be the empty place that would overflow with newness and possibility. This is what love can do. This is what community can do when centered in trusting that God will fill jars of water and create and make them into the best wine. We have to see it, though, to have it be made known in our own lives. We have to tell the story, and we have to trust. Here's the unexpected gift that has come to us. This last year is now a part of our story. As we look ahead to 2020, we want to fill jars. For the next week, as Pastor Joel said, we're going to hear these really unique feeding stories that all have something to do with a container. And they're stories of perceived scarcity where by human means alone, there was no hope of anything beyond what was already there. Yet God spoke, and I believe a maternal spirit breathed life into a specific time and people and earthly means, and then the jars and the baskets were not only filled, but they overflowed. Clearly, we have a part to play in this overflowing of life. Not just to look out for ourselves and our families, but to look out for the community around us for the sake of everyone having what they need to thrive and to live. It is here that abundance is made known. 
And when we fill jars, we are nourished too. Jesus, his mother, and the disciples tasted that best wine along with all the other guests. We get to partake in the party, and when we do so, we are changed. Honestly, I can't tell you what we're going to be talking about a year from now. And you know what? That's both scary and exciting. But don't forget this story about the abundance that comes and surprises us, and it's dripping with goodness and joy. And so, like every week this fall, you get to finish the story because we need to hear the stories to be reminded that this story is still true and making itself known in our lives. So here's your question today. Where has God's abundance been revealed at Mount Olivet? Kind of a special twist for these next three weeks, not just an apron that you write your answers, but in your bulletin is this card for you to write the story. Where has God's abundance been revealed to you at Mount Olivet? The person sitting next to you, me, this community needs to hear that story. And so we're going to post these out for the next several weeks so we can hear about this abundance. Fill this out during worship, and there's jars out in the Welcome Center for you to put these in as well. We will post your stories and your responses so we can read them, so we can remember and be led ahead in what God is doing through us and how love and community is spilling over here at Mount Olivet. Amen.